Hello, welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm Casey Rossi, your transformative business coach. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. My next guest is Andrea Risen from Healing Spirits Herb Farm and Education Center. Andrea has a 30-acre certified organic farm in Wallace, New York, which is by Avoca, actually just over the hill from me in upstate New York. Andrea creates all these wonderful handmade certified products ranging from teas to salves to syrups, to medicinal uh, mushrooms, and so much more. So welcome, Andrea. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you so much, Casey. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So I know that you've been involved in the plant world for so many years. I would love it if you could take us back to the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get interested in herbs and plants and healing? And just kind of take us right back. Okay. Well, partly it's the man I married. He was raised on a dairy farm and his degree is in agronomy. So he loves plants. Mm. So that was helpful. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Kind of pulled me along there. Um, I think how we really got into the herbs were we spent two years in the Philippines when we were first married and we found out we really liked each other and we liked spending time together which is helpful. But also when we were there, we saw how everybody used plants for healing. And, and we saw this up close. And at the time, we didn't think too much about it. But you know how things kind of uh, simmer in the back of your brain. So we came home and did the traditional you know, jobs and decided we really wanted to be together. We wanted to spend our time together. And we had always experimented with plants doing wild foods like taking elderberries, uh, the elderflowers, and making um, fritters out of them and catnip to drink and different things like this. So we looked into how we could grow herbs for a living. We couldn't figure it out because we (laughs) go to, like, um, celestial seasonings. They wanted two tons of catnip. We're going... What does that look like? How do you oh, my that? gosh. <laughs> so we went into dairy farming instead because we knew we could make a living at that. What a joke. <laughs> so when that failed, we started looking at the herbs again. And we met a lady named Rosemary Gladstar, who's mm-hmm. kind of the godmother of the whole herbal thing coming together after the 60s. And she gave us a list of people to contact for growing herbs. None of those work, but we decided to do it anyway. Wow. And, yeah, we just jumped into it. And, like, herbal teachers loved our herbs. So they would get them for themselves. They would talk to their students, and it just kind of spread like that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like sometimes you just got to do it, and you just yeah. see where it takes you. And I think the other thing that really pushed us in that direction is a lot of our children were adopted. And they came with special needs that, you know, the medical profession, it wasn't really answering them. So we needed to look at alternatives. And the plants were very helpful. 
That is incredibly inspiring. And I also have to say, I love your candidness about like, yep, tried that, didn't work. Yep, look <laughs> over here, epic fail. Because I think it's so important for solopreneurs to hear that honesty, you know, because many times we see somebody that's successful, whether they're in our industry or other people that we admire, and we just think like, wow, they have it all. But behind the scenes, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, there's epic fails. There's falling on your face. There's like tried that, lost a bunch of cash. But I think the beauty in your story is one, you're so passionate. You can hear that in your voice, which is like just so inspiring. And two, you persevere. And you're lucky, like you said, to have a partner that's on the same page. So that perseverance, like don't you find is such a key element in, in life in general, but in particular in entrepreneurship? Oh, Absolutely. And you really have to love the fact that it's all in your hands. <laughs> you either yes. make it or you don't. And, you know, for us that was easy because um, we, we, we just didn't like the norm of going to work and coming home with a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Not that that's bad. It just didn't work for us. So, but yes, but then along with that, there are a lot of failures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How long ago did you actually kind of start to see traction from, I guess, like, when did you start the healing farm? And then about how long did it take for you to see traction where you're like, you know what, babe, this is going to work for us? Um, let me see. Probably, I forget if it was a year or a year and a half into it, Matthias was still working another job. And we just said, this is it. We're just going in, we're going whole hog, and we're going to do it. And so, like, after, we, we just kept making steady progress. And mm -hmm. we just kept saying, okay, we can make it another year. I love it. Another year. And I think that's what you just keep building on. And you have to look at what your uh, end goal is. You can't look at the fact that, ah, I don't have a new car this year. My car is rusting and falling apart. You can't look at that. You have to look at where you're headed. Mm, such good advice. Absolutely. I mean, you can tell you have wisdom in the business world because everything you're saying is like a gem. You know, the slow and steady wins the race. The faith that this is going to work. And then also the flow of like, let's just make it one more year, you know, because I think many people, especially from old school ways, it's like, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? And honestly, in today's world, I don't know if this is just me, but I would love your take on it as well. It, it, things are happening fast. Technology is fast. Even the way that we're regenerating ourselves just seems to be faster, especially people that are focused on health, personal development, and spirituality. I don't know what 10 years going to look like, you know, do you? I love that you said, let's make it one more year. Yes, I think that's it. You're right. The old way does not work anymore. And you just have to take it one year at a time. And everything changes in that year. Like, we love it. We're at the, pretty much at the end of the season. It's not going to be that long, I don't think, before we have a frost and everything changes. And we're already looking at what we're going to do different next year. And we couldn't have known that at the beginning of the season Absolutely. Change, everything changes. And how do you kind of like um, prepare yourself to be kind of 
like lickety split smart on the fly because so much of your livelihood depends on weather, depends on your crops. So how, like, how do you bake that into your daily regime of like, okay, this happened. I need to pivot. Yeah. Oh yeah. We do that every day. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. We get up in the morning and think we have a plan, (laughs) which is good because if you don't have a plan, then you don't have a starting place. But if you have a plan and know that it's going to change, it's all right, because at least you have a direction. Absolutely. One of the things that has helped us is more of the people that are buying from us are letting us know further ahead what they want. Mm. It's really difficult for us when somebody calls up at the end of the season and says, I would like 50 pounds of skull cap. There's no way I can come up with 50 pounds of skull cap now. I can yes. tell them they can plan for next year. Um, I don't know. Is that the is that was did I answer that question well? Yeah, or not? absolutely, absolutely. I was just you know in many businesses it's not as dependent on something that you can't control like your crops, like the weather, right. like. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure soil conditioning you have some um, part in, but the other elements, it's like you said, you know, how do you plan for that? I think it's really cool that you wake up with a plan and then you're prepared to pivot. And in that, I'm wondering, do you do a lot of self-work or does this kind of come naturally? Because this really sounds just like such wisdom. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, (laughs) I, um, we have always done a lot of reading from different peoples, um, different philosophies. Uh, we do that at the beginning of every meal. And I think that helps to ground us and also open us up. Um, but I also think that um, Matthias and I just naturally have an easier flow with life. Um, do you- Yeah, go ahead, please. No, I think that was it. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was just wondering if you attribute that easier flow of life because of a trust in the plant world. I was reading on your website that you said that the plants take care of you. You take care of the plants and the plants take care of you. And I'm just wondering because I... I traveled to Hawaii quite a bit, and one of the destinations was Kauai, and there was such a different feeling, and I'm getting that same feeling from you, and when Cher and I were there, we were like, what's different here? You know, it was just different, and it was like this flow, and we talked to some of the locals, and they said, we just rely on Mother Nature. We know that Mother Nature is going to take care of us, and I'm giving you that, like, totally the same vibe from you, so is that part of what you attribute kind of just being more in a free flow? Absolutely. I think when you work with the plants, you're working with mother nature, you just learn that there is a rhythm and there is a flow. And one year, some plant is really going to be up. You're going to harvest a lot of it. Next year, that plant may not be there, but there will be another plant. Wow. That's really cool. So you mentioned that people, you know, give you a ring and they're like, I need 50 pounds of my favorite herb. What type of customer do you see come to your door and how do they find you? The majority of it is word of mouth. Definitely the majority of it is word of mouth. We've also been mentioned in some books. Mm. So that does some. Um, Probably 
our daughter has us up on social media and the website and all that. So that helps some, but the majority is still word of mouth. That is like the most powerful form of advertising anyway, because that social proof of having your bestie say, you have got to go down to Andrea Mathias's farm and get XYZ. It's phenomenal. So that I think is the most powerful. Of course, social media and your web presence is certainly helpful for people that maybe are beyond um, local or just want to find you just by happenstance. But yeah, that word of mouth is just absolutely gold. And when you mentioned that you've been in books, it just kind of clicked in my head because I remember doing some research on Lyme disease and you were in the back as a resource for herbs. Yes. Yeah. Stephen Bruner's book. Yes. I mean, that's massive because he really is kind of the authority on that particular um, disease. Yeah, he's he's probably the there's a lot there's a lot more coming into that field, but he was certainly one of the first and has done probably more research than anybody else. Yeah, it's a really popular protocol. I remember one of the times when I came to the farm and I was like so curious about your back room and it was like, what's in there? And you're like, oh, those are our medicinal mushrooms. And it was like it blew my mind, you know, it was just so cool. Yeah, we the mushrooms are something that we just started, you know, we're at an age where most people are thinking about slowing down, which is really smart. But every year we seem to add something new. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it just seems to be what we do. And a couple of years ago, we started growing mushrooms, which has been really fun. We grow about six or seven different kinds. That's incredible. That is really incredible. I have to say that I take a lot of herbs and supplements and things in that nature. And the two things that I can really pinpoint, you know, that definitely my system responded well to was blue green algae and mm -hmm. medicinal mushrooms. And like, it was an incredible difference when I started taking medicinal mushrooms. It was like this energy. And I didn't have that dip at 4 p.m. that was just so standard that it was like, of course you're going to be tired and have a dip at 4 p.m. But with those medicinal mushrooms, it was like clarity. You know, it was really interesting. Have yes. they been popular for you? They have been very popular. And, you know, that was one of those things. Again, the plants taking care of you. We had never thought about doing mushrooms. Mm. Somebody walked into our life and mentored us. Wow. And mentored us for about two years and then he left hmm. and we would never have thought about that on our own but again the plant world is going yes this is what you're going to do next that's amazing it's really amazing and it's such a service because I know that um, you are the trusted resource for so many people and so it's almost like in today's climate it could be what you know, what your clients needed. So I do believe that that serendipity is just, it's just so symbiotic, you know, and I think it's amazing. What type of condition, because I know you have such a huge line and it just continues to grow. I didn't realize you did flower essences until this morning when I popped on and took a look at your product line. So I'm so curious about that as well. But because you offer such an array of products and salves and tinctures and, and the raw material, um, do you find that somebody will come to you for a specific thing? Do you find like, okay, yeah, we get a lot of people that we're known for helping with things that maybe um, damper down inflammation or is it kind of more across the board? It's definitely across the board. Definitely across the board. 
Mm. Um, at the moment, there's probably more interest in um, Lyme because that's so many people have it. So that's probably a little higher on the radar, but it's everything. Yes. It's just everything. Yes, absolutely. And I know that you have knotwood because I've picked it up before for a friend of mine, which is part of the, the Lyme protocol. And yeah, that was just really interesting. I mean, it was kind of like this bag of these like knotted rooted things. And I was like, what do we do with that? <laughs> yeah, what do we do with this now? Yeah. And I love that educational component that you have, not only with workshops, and I saw that you even are um, offering yoga now at the farm, but any time that I've ever walked in those doors and also the scuttlebutt on the street is just that when you come into your space, your main focus, and it really comes across, is education and making sure that your client is empowered to know exactly what to do with that tincture or that herb. And it's just amazing. It's so generous and so giving. And I think it's definitely one of your superpowers for sure. <laughs> Why, thank you. Absolutely. Yes. It is education. We all do so much better when we know how a plant is working, why it might be good for us, and how to really use it to the best advantage. Yes, education, education. And if people are interested, I really try to get them to um, grow some of their own. Oh, that's like, cool. Yeah, like mints are easy. If you have a little garden, start with some mints. Mm -hmm. And you have tea to drink all winter and you have success with that. And then it's easier to add one or two more things. Absolutely. And do you do all of your drying for your teas through solar energy? Uh, yes. Well, as I say, yes, almost yes. Yeah. We also have uh, small dryers that we finish the roses and the calendula in. Oh. Because they really like the dark pitch black because you get a better color with them. So the roses and the calendula, mm -hmm. those are the two main, oh, red clover. We do those in the dehydrator so they don't get any light at all. That's so cool. I love it. I mean, you're not going to get any fresher product. And I think such a big part is the intent. You know, your intent from seed to harvest to processing it just is so beautiful. And it just, it reminds me just going back to when you said you read before you eat. And I think that's really beautiful that you're bringing that intention in with every kind of move, you know, and every kind of nourishment that completely is infused in what you guys do. Yeah, it's really important to us. And we always say a prayer before we harvest. Mm. Before we take a plant, we always say a little prayer. Um, we usually do some kind of prayer in the greenhouse so that we really stay focused on the plant. That's really, really cool. I just recently actually did a big nature hike um, north of Niagara Falls, and a lot of it was Native American-based. And it was really interesting because she would um, kind of encourage different invitations of giving an offering back to the plant world, whether it was a feather or tobacco. Do you have that kind of reciprocation? Do you have like an offering of, I know you have a lot of gratitude, but does that come into play? It does. And what we do in the beginning, we used to um, give tobacco or something every time we harvested. What we do now is we do 
we do a ceremony before we start in the beginning for all the plants that we will harvest for the whole season. Mm. And we do that. And then during the year, instead of doing another tobacco offering or something like that, we just, we out, out loud say our prayers. I love that. That's so cool. I think that's amazing. I know that's going to inspire a lot of people, even the home gardener, you know, because if that's not in your consciousness or your upbringing, you know, you don't really think about it. It's like tomato, tomato, cucumber, cucumber, I'm going to go make a salad. You know, you don't really necessarily think that um, this is such a gift from nature. And we're so blessed to take that into our system and have this backyard harvesting. So I think that that will really inspire even the home gardener to kind of look at their bounty and abundance when they're harvesting, maybe in a slightly different way. Yes, I think of it as like if you go to your neighbors to borrow a cup of sugar, and you just go in and you take a cup of sugar and you leave, or if you go in and you ask her if you can have a cup of sugar, and she gives it to you. When you come home and use that sugar, you're also going to have her energy in there or his, who, whoever you borrowed it from. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that whole thing. And if we think about that, like you said, with our tomatoes and lettuce, it changes everything when we eat the plant because then the plant is giving us more. It's not holding back. It's really, really true. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, like, if you have a favorite herb and that may change seasonally since you said, like, if there's a big harvest or if there's abundance it could also mean that that's a something that's like a, a need but i'm wondering too like how do you prevent burnout because you're a you're a caregiver you're a healer you have a lot of outward energy where you're helping people so what do you do to fill yourself back up and is there an herbal that kind of helps support you in that vein well i have to tell you that i'm a fickled lover because <laughs> i'm in love with whatever plant is in front of me Mm. And I've gotten accused on herb walks of saying, don't tell us again that's your favorite plant because you just did that for the last <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so I am a fickled lover. But within that, I, um, the two plants that I personally work with in my own body that are my go-to plants are chaparral and um, ashwagandha which is really interesting because I tell everybody, use the plants in your backyard. Mm -hmm. Chaparral is not in our backyard. Mm. But I spent a lot of time in the Southwest with my grandparents. And that's where I learned about chaparral. So I think that that's my connection is through my grandparents. And ashwagandha, we grow here. We grow it um, as a long annual. It won't overwinter. And that those two plants really work in my body extremely well. That's amazing. And and the the ashwagandha is that that's a derivative from India. Was that where kind yes. of it was known for? Yes. I thought so, and because I've taken that before, and I remember um, coming to you and being like, "Oh, I already take that in in cap form," and it was so cool because you were like, "Well." you know, we have the dried plant material as well. And it really allowed me to think like, yeah, I really don't need that vegetarian capsule in my system. You know, I can have more of a direct assimilation without that um, extra thing that my body had to process. And so it's really cool. Like even those tidbits can really help people make these micro shifts and go like, oh, I never thought of that. That's really cool. Yeah, and the other nice thing about ashwagandha, I think is it, it's relatively inexpensive mm -hmm. and it does a lot of the same thing that American ginseng does. 
for a fraction of the, of the cost. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you, can, and you can grow it. And like, it, it's a really neat plant to use. You can use it with babies and people that are in their 90s and mm-hmm. anybody in between. It's you powerful. I'm getting excited about the plant. Yeah, no, it's so powerful. Do you find that like when your body doesn't need a certain substance that the taste will change or it will give you subtle clues of kind of rejecting it for a period of time? Absolutely. What I find is I forget to take it. Whenever I forget to take anything, it's like, oh, okay, I don't need it now. Because the plant is, I feel like the plant is kind of erasing the memory for a while. It's like, yeah, you don't need that. You don't need me. We won't even come into your consciousness. Oh my gosh, I've had that happen too. That is so validating. That's amazing. I'm, I'm really glad that you shared that. That's awesome. So over your years of business and life and farming and pivoting and all these learning lessons, can you share maybe a stumbling block that you had in either business and life um, and how you overcame that stumbling block? Uh, I can tell you the biggest one. And okay. I actually think this happens to more people than what they want to admit is like, it was easy for us in the beginning when we were figuring out what we were doing and struggling. But once things leveled out and we be- it, life became easier, it's like, how do you handle success? Mm. And I think when we are starting something, we also, we need to know how to get through day by day, but we have to figure out how we're going to be successful and what is that going to look like? How is that going to change things? And like mm-hmm. in our case, it meant my husband and I had to, we couldn't do it all by ourselves anymore. We now have employees. We mm-hmm. never had that before. We never even thought of that as a, an option. Mm-hmm. And I think if we had thought about success sooner, um, the transition would have been easier. Mm. So what did you do? What type of things when you were going through that struggle? Like if there is a listener that's like, yeah, that's me now. How did you get through it? Well, we stumbled through it. But one of the things I think that we've learned from that is you really make a, need to make a list. If you're going to hire somebody, what you, the qualities you're looking for, what they need to know, or even if they don't know it, are they, can they learn it easily? Mm-hmm. Is, does that come in? Um, are their goals the same as your goals? And they may not be the same goals, but can you work with that? Because Absolutely. Yeah, you run up against somebody, and they're wonderful. This isn't saying that somebody isn't wonderful. It's just that they're not going to fit with how you work. So it's being really clear about that. And I think you need to be clear about that before you hire your first person. Such good advice. That is just brilliant advice because when you get to that level where it's just beyond you and your partner – everything changes. And until you kind of step back and many times you're in put out the fire mode, it's like, Oh my gosh, I just got this big order. That's fantastic. But there's no way that our four hands can produce this at this deadline or whatever that scenario happens to be. So we don't necessarily have the luxury to prepare a company culture and our standard operating procedure manual and all of the things that would be really ideal in a perfect world. So I love that you're giving this tidbit of advice to people that may um, not be there yet, but it is something that 
is such an important thing. And if by chance you didn't have time to prep, then it's again, you're in the moment, you're, you're kind of harnessing your entrepreneurial skills and doing the very best you can to get through. One of the things when we had employees, and I think pretty much at the top of our season, we'd have about 25 employees. And then off season, we'd have about 10 to 12. And we always would do like a daily checkpoint, even if it was for 10 minutes, just so we were all on the same page. It kind of leveled out some nice expectations. You know, there was some kind of like agreements of like, what's on your docket today? And, and also, I think it instilled accountability. Do you have that type of practices or do you do team meetings? Or is it kind of like, I trust you, you know my vision, and this is the end goal? Like, how do you kind of navigate employees now in your business today? Well, it's still an ongoing process, which I guess it always is. But we are trying to have more of those touchstones. Like on Monday mornings, okay, what does this week look like? And they're still, uh, we're still small enough that we can touch in with everybody during the day if things change. But we're finding it does run smoother if at least on Monday mornings we check in on what, every, what the overall goal for the week is. That's perfect. Communication is key, you know, and, and that's, that's definitely, it makes such a big difference. And yeah, I'm just so excited. I could talk to you for ages. What kind of exciting things, I know that the season, the growing season is kind of tapering down, but what kind of exciting things do you have on the docket um, for fall, winter? Um, one of the, we're ramping up because things are slowing down. Now we can grow more mushrooms. We have time to do that. So that's on there. But what we're really excited about is actually looking forward to the spring. The newest thing that we're getting into is uh, small heritage grains because oh. so many people are having trouble with gluten and, and uh, wheats and everything. So we're going back to the older varieties, and we found this old um, harvester, late 50s, early 60s, but it's wow. the size. And we thought we would have it for this year but there's been a few mechanical problems <laughs> so that's our exciting thing that we're doing the other thing that we're doing which really isn't us but it's our space a lot of people have wanted me to teach classes and I'm actually doing less of that than I used to but the need seems to be greater so a woman from um, Campbell Sarah Skinner is coming and she's doing classes oh my and gosh that's, that's awesome very exciting yeah, she does one the first Friday of every month, plus she was just here yesterday and has a new schedule, and she's putting in a lot more classes, and it's so nice to be able to offer that space to somebody else. That's amazing. I love that it just kind of cultivates more community. It's such a service, and your audience is saying, this is what we want. Like, that's so cool. Like, you are fulfilling the needs of your audience that's saying, please deliver this to us. So I just, it's such a win-win. I, I love your model that you've built. Well, thank you. It makes us happy. You know, yeah, you can tell. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got, you've got the, the joy for life and it, it really shows. And I know that people are going to catch a spark. And um, like I said, just look at the plant world in a different way. Maybe get curious about learning more about their herbs or their, their backyard gardens or what they can actually plant themselves, even if it's as simple as a chocolate mint plant for their very first experience with getting their hands in the soil. So how can people get a hold of you, learn more, maybe attend a class if there's something 
somewhat local, what's the best way to come into your world? Okay, our website is healingspiritsherbfarm.com. And we try to post on there everything that's going on, which means my daughter does. <laughs> nice. I saw your calendar of events and I was so excited. I was like, oh, wow, she's really expanding. So it's, yes, it's, because, it's My daughter's putting it up instead of, oh, yes, we're doing this, but we forget to put it out to the world. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad that you have a team effort. That just makes it all the better, all the juicier. Hmm. Yes, it's it's it makes it fun. You know, one other thing I wanted to say before we ended is that um, Matthias and I are very careful to take care of our bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're we're both pushing seventy, and it's hard for a lot of people, younger people, to keep up with us. But we take care of ourselves. Aside from all the teas, we get acupuncture once a month. Mm-hmm. I get a massage at least once a month. Um, Matthias and I both do body work. We work on each other. We do yoga once a week. Mm. You know, if you really want to keep enjoying what you're doing, like we can go out and harvest all day and come in and our backs don't bother us. That's incredible. I'm so glad you brought that up because business without burnout is such a passion of mine and it's something more than a buzzword. It really is something that if you take consistent action on and and it doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm going to say I need to do 90 minutes of vinyasa yoga six days a week. One day a week is great. You know, once a month for something else and once a month for something else. It's something that we can, when we have that mindset shift, easily add in and the benefit is feeling better and then feeling better and it's like that circle of happiness and right. you're keeps going of that it's fun oh absolutely i mean it's not only fun but it keeps you that like you said that vitality you know because when someone is getting close to 70 much of that mindset is, well, you know, of course, we're not going to have the best posture. We're getting older. You know, our, our, you know, skin is going to thin. We're getting older. We're going to have aches and pains in our joints. We're getting older. Like it's a natural thing that people kind of just are brought up with, especially in the States. So I love that you're kind of saying, Hey, it doesn't have to be this way, you know, with this, this and that you can have more energy than a spring chicken, you know, <laughs> and people are trying to catch up with you and people are wondering like, what do you guys drink in the morning that gives you such clarity and energy and happiness? Yeah, we drink tea in the morning. Every morning we do tea and we do mushrooms. What kind of tea? Whatever kind, you know, I, cause I have a whole array to choose from. So I just pick what I want for the day and I don't usually consciously think about it. Mm-hmm. I do whatever my hand goes to is what I put in the teapot. I, I really, really like that. Do you sweeten your tea or do you just do it like straight up tea? It depends. It really depends on the tea. Sometimes I'll use honey and sometimes I won't. Like if I'm doing a sweet birch bark, there's no way I'm putting honey in there and ruining that taste. Wow. It's- that sounds amazing. I'm going to have to come down and get some of that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it, it depends on what's going on, but I'm less apt to put honey in than my husband. He okay. really likes honey. He's but. a purist. And you guys have bees, right? You do your own honey and your own beeswax right on farm? We do, but we, we do have to cut out something. So even though we still have some beehives, um, a friend of ours takes care of them, and a lot of our honey we get from a neighbor that 
is impeccable the way he does his bees. He did, he did them better than we did them. So. That's so awesome. Well, my dear, this has been such a pleasure and you've shared tremendous wisdom and so many good nuggets. Do you have any final words you'd like to kind of part with and leave our listeners of kind of a bright light? I think the biggest thing is when you get up every morning, you have to get up when your feet hit the floor, being happy that you have another day. You know, go out and thank the plants, thank the sun for coming up, and just take that in. And I think if you do that, the first thing, it kind of sets your mood for the day. It does. It absolutely does. This has been such a pleasure. You are so graceful and so humble, and um, you're just spirit is just electrifying. So thank you so, so very much for taking time out of your busy day to share with us. I highly recommend people either visit you on farm or on your website at healing spirits, healing spirits herbfarm.com, right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. It's a mouthful and totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Casey. Thank you. Take good care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.